I'm super nervous to like kind of talk about this mainly because like I've never really like yeah I've like dropped like bits and pieces of it like here like on social media and stuff but I've never fully like like dived into like the depth of it and like the guts you know what I mean what is going on guys and welcome to elevate my goal here with this platform is to bring you different conversations different perspectives different experiences uh, to help educate you and guide you into transforming yourself into creating the absolute best version of you so the one request that i do have is if you find anything valuable in this podcast that you like that you share that you leave a review and that you send it to a friend uh, i would like to grow this organically so letting me know what episode you love, what resonated with you, and what helped you along your own growth and development journey. That would be awesome. So I look forward to connecting with you outside of this, but for now, let's get into the episode. It's always just been like the surface of it, I guess. It's like talking about you had a problem, but not really going into like let's actually talk about how fucking hard that shit was. And just to give you peace of mind on all of that, like I have never really dissected like the depth and the gravity of the relationship that I was in that was super abusive. And like when I started talking about it or like I made that post, like the response was ridiculous. And I share that with you so that you know, like even though you might carry some maybe guilt or shame around it or just kind of like, I don't know how to process this yet. Or like, am I inadequate because I speak on this? Like most people need to hear what you have to say. And so I just want to like act as someone who can help you get that message out there. And always with the goal of a owning that's your past is not who you are, nor does it define who you will become or who you are today. Um, and that other people, it might give them hope, which most people, especially now with all the shit that goes on in the world, most of them just need hope. Most of them just need something to go, damn, she overcame that shit. I totally can too. Yeah. No, for sure. And like the last like 15 minutes, I've just been like, like the nervous jitters a little bit. And I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, it might be hard to talk about it. Like we'll just flow with whatever kind of comes about it, comes about it. And like, however, no, I'm going to be super transparent, obviously, but my, like in the back of my head, I was like, it's going to at least help somebody. So I was like, let's just do it. Let's do it. It will. It will help. If nothing else, if it helps one fucking person, like that's a job. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's start from the beginning. Okay. Um, So tell me about like how this started, where it, where it began and how it manifested in your life. Yeah. So when, so I guess I'll start like early childhood and I just want to start like kind of I'm going to kind of be transparent and just tell you like a little bit about like my family and all that. And when I, when, you know, when I talk about it, like, I'm not looking for pity. I'm not looking for anyone to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, something like that. I just want to just kind of tell my story so they can, either someone can relate to it or just, you know, have more insight. Um, So when I was like, I was probably in like my early, like around 14. 14, 13, 14, um, my brother passed away and, you know, it, it took a toll on my parents. Like, you know, I'm, I don't know what it's like to lose a child, but I literally couldn't imagine. And, you know, I, I feel like it had a little bit of impact on, you know, my parents and I'm not going to dive into like which parent it is. Cause they're probably going to listen to this yeah. or maybe they won't, who knows. And you don't have to disclose like just for you don't have to disclose names. You don't have to talk about specific people or things. It's just like, you can even make up names if that makes you more comfortable. Like you're telling a story. And I think just so that you know as well, like when you go through something traumatic in your life, once you are completely removed from it, you can speak on it. And so it's like the fact that you can sit here today, like that doesn't mean you're looking for pity or anything like that. It's like, Hey, this is my story. It's part of my past right? It was a knife that cut me, not something that killed me. And it's like, this is my story. And if you just kind of dissociate yourself from that person, because I'm sure now, like, as you sit here today, you don't feel at all like that person, right? And so it's like, you are just a completely different human. And that's okay. Just like, when I think about my past, like, I am nowhere near who I was then. So it doesn't phase me now to speak on it, because I remember the experience and the gravity of the emotion, but I do not associate myself with being in the same place that I was at the time of my life. Yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, I, 
like, I guess alcoholism kind of runs pretty heavy in my family. Um, gener- I'd say like three generations or so. So like, I feel like I was kind of predisposed to it in a way. Um, and I was around it a lot. Like after my brother passed away, like it was like in my household, like all the time. And I saw things as, you know, a young teen where I was very vulnerable and like in a vulnerable state that most teens never see in their life. And I don't know if it was like anger and I I still don't really know if it was like me being angry or me feeling like I was restricted. Like once I became a little bit more independent where I kind of like went off the deep end Um, or if it was just because I, I watched certain patterns like throughout my life, like, like, I don't know how to explain it, but like I witnessed things like, like our house almost burning down one night, you know, and I was like 15, 16 years old, like waking up in the middle of the night and there was just like smoke clouds, like everywhere, Mm. you know, in anger, like things being thrown across the house and like people falling downstairs and just madness, like things that like, you know, most kids don't see at that age. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, with given, you know, the circumstances of like my brother's accident, like my parents were super strict. And like, I was like playing sports and super active. Um, I had like division two schools, like looking at me like for, for hockey. And I definitely like could have signed with a division one school if I would have stayed on that path. But, you know, I, I fell back into this rebellious stage like once I became like 17 18 because I was like oh I'm like 18 whatever I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want because my parents were so strict they didn't really allow me any kind of freedom which is fine I mean I just feel like it could have been like a little different you know growing up and maybe I wouldn't have like gone down that path but you know I did and it's part of you know who I am and where I'm at now um and so 17 18 you know, so I witnessed, so like 14, 15, 16, 17, for four years, you know, lived in this household where alcoholism was like huge, right? And I witnessed all this shitty stuff. And then I started kind of going off on my own and like people would, you know, I just kind of started getting wrapped up into like the wrong group of people and just drinking. And I don't know, I think a lot of it was like anger and like resentment, you know, towards like my family and like everything that I had gone through. Um, and so I just was like drinking my emotions, like all the time. Like, I just like wouldn't sit with my emotions and that's like, I do feel like a lot of people drink to mask their emotions because they're scared of their emotions. They don't want to sit with them. They don't want to feel things. So they just keep like slamming booze. You know what I mean? So this is something I see a lot actually. And it's, it's true across the board with anything. It could be the fact that people like will go out and just sleep with people, right? They don't want to be alone. They'll go drink. They do drugs. They eat emotionally. They engage in activities that are distracting. Like, do you know people who literally can't be by themselves? Like, they're like, I just don't want to be by myself. They're always hanging out with people. They can't sit, right? It is most of the time when it's something around those habits, it's because there's something internally that they don't want to sit with when they have to. And when you're alone and you're sober and it's quiet and you're like, you have nothing but your thoughts. And for some people addressing their thoughts is really fucking hard or addressing their emotions is really fucking hard or working through that to dissect them and break them. A lot of times they're associated with beliefs that they have. It's fucking hard work. Yeah. So instead of sitting there going, I'm unhappy. This is scary. I'm, I'm a kid. I don't know why I'm seeing these things, right? Maybe from your perspective or like, why do my parents not fucking care about me? Right. They're distraught about this, but I'm still here. Why do I not matter? And it can make you angry. It can make you resentful. And instead of using your voice to talk about it, especially if they weren't in a place where they could even have that conversation, you're kind of like, well, fuck off. Like I'm going to go do this. Cause if nothing else, it numbs the pain that I feel from feeling. And I can't speak for you, but like, this is just how I would maybe anticipate or interpret your your experience is like whenever you have a strong emotion or something going on internally that you don't know how to address or you feel like you can't address that's where most people get into trouble with things like alcohol right yeah and so I think it just you know it it started small you know and I was I think it was shortly after high school I had like dabbled in it like a little bit in high school but again my parents were like so strict like I wasn't staying out late like I wasn't drinking alcohol I wasn't doing any of that in high school you know because I was like playing sports and my parents were like I said super fucking strict 
Um, and then, you know, I started to, um, you know, get away from my parents and kind of go on my own. And I wasn't even like, I think the first, when it first started was when I moved to California and I had just like gotten out of like a long-term relationship with this kid that I dated in high school. Um, I turned down like offers for college cause I was like, that's not what I want to do. Um, and then I went to California with a group of people, like group of friends, friends, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it got worse. Like it, it escalated like so significantly. Like, I'm not kidding. Like we would wake up and drink till night and then do it again. And I did that shit for like six months, like six months straight. So you would go to bed and wake up the next day and just start drinking. Yeah. I'm not kidding. It was crazy. And like, I don't even like, when I think back to like, think back to those moments, I'm just like, what the fuck was I thinking? You know what I mean? But I, I just didn't know any better. And I thought that, you know, I felt good, but you know, did I really though? No, I felt like shit, you know, like internally, like inside, like I didn't feel like anything. I felt like worthless, you know? Um, and then, you know, my parents kind of like started to catch on as like what was going on like there. And like, we didn't like, I didn't like do drugs or like any hardcore drugs. I've done like a little bit, you know, a little stuff here and there, but nothing crazy. You know what I mean? Not like fucking meth or anything crazy, but, um, you know, my parents kind of caught on and they were like, all right, like you, you have to come home. Like you can't keep living your life like this. Like you're a fucking mess. And so my mom actually came and got me. Had your parents, had your parents kind of overcome their struggles with alcohol by this time when they were kind of like, whoa, Hunter, like, this is not, this is not good for you. No, um, my mom might've, I think that, yeah, my mom probably had, but, um, you know, the other side, my dad, he had not, and, you know, he still struggles with it. And it's really fucking sad to watch him. And like right now he's, you know, going through, he's going through a divorce and that's fucking destroying him. And it's, he's back into his old ways, you know, that's really sad. So no, they hadn't. So when you moved to California, why did you move to California? I was like running away. I feel like, like, Um, was it school? Did you go to school there? Were you just like, yo, let's just go to California just for the fucking shits and giggles of go to California. Literally. I had like there, had a few cousins there and I was like thought that it was like this great idea and like I said like I had just broken or my boyfriend had just like broken up with me and I was devastated like we were together for like three years and I felt like I was going to be together like forever you know the high school thing um go ahead speak up a little bit oh yeah yeah, yeah. um so I think it was mainly because I was like heartbroken and like I felt like I just needed to get away and like start over when really I just needed to like sit with my emotions and deal with them and I never did so how long were you in California for I was probably there for like four to six months and you were just drinking sun up to sundown every day yeah yep it was very wild and did you live by yourself did you have roommates like how did this all kind of transpire? So you moved to, you moved to California. Yeah. Did you live alone? No. So I started living with like my aunt and my cousins, but I didn't really like being there. Um, and I, I'm not really sure why it just, it wasn't a very, like, it wasn't like very clean. It was just kind of, I don't know. Does that make sense? It just wasn't the environment that I wanted to be in. Okay. So you didn't go ahead. So you didn't enjoy that. So then how long were you there? And then where did you go after that? Yeah. So I think I was only there for like maybe a month. And then I went to, so I was living in Manhattan beach where my aunt was at and my cousins and you know, they're great people. I love them. I never had any issues with them. Um, but I moved to Huntington beach where a couple of my girlfriends were living and they were from here originally. So they had moved down there. I think they might've been down there before I even got there. Mm. Uh, So I moved over to that area, which was like, it's only like 30 minute drive. And we had like this massive house, like to ourselves. Um, And I think there was like 
three of us. Yeah, there was like three of us. And, and was it immediately that you were just like, let's fucking rage? Well, no, it had been like, I had been doing that before because I would like, I'd like drink at like my aunt's house or like I would just like go to their house and like hang out with them. Um, How old were you? Uh, 18 maybe. Okay, and were they just comfortable with you drinking at their house? Yeah, I mean, my aunt was kind of not really around much. My cousins kind of drank too. At least my older one did. Um, the younger ones were one. I think there was two of them were still in school, um, but I didn't spend very much time there, honestly. So I was like back and forth. Um, I was like trying to like work jobs, but that never works. I never actually worked when I was there. I just my parents were supporting me and but yeah so anyways so I moved over there and then we I don't know it just like it just naturally happened it's like almost like we didn't have anything to do we weren't like goal driven like we didn't have jobs like one of our one of my girlfriends was in hair school so she was like doing something and she wouldn't drink and party nearly as much as me and the other gal um and then it just kind of evolved and just became like an everyday habit and so what do you feel like kept you in that loop like did you ever have a moment where you were like this is not right yeah I think so like there was one time I think I was like on the phone with my mom like facetiming with her and like I think I was drunk and like I just fucking like started like just broke down like started crying just was like I miss you guys like and those were true emotions for sure even though I was intoxicated you know I was in a lot of pain for sure um and so I think after that conversation with my mom like she talked to my dad and then like my mom was like you need to come home like you need to do something and so she came down there and you know we were continuing to like drink while she was there and just be like you know deceitful and whatever towards her um go ahead did you want to say something no I was gonna say did you did you realize you had a problem, but you couldn't stop? Like, was it really like, I know this is wrong, but like, I want, just want to be fucked up. Yeah. Like, I think like a small part of me, like knew like what I was doing was wrong, but like, did I want to stop at that time? Like point in time? Like, no, I did not want to stop. Did you ever have a point where you did? Yeah. And did you struggle like initially? Yeah, because most people that drink first, they're in denial. Like my biological father, I can't even smell Jim Bean because it just reminds me of him. And he and that side of my family, they're Irish. So like, you know, they, they love it. Um, but every time I was around them as a kid, they were always shit faced, always. And it's like, if you try to tell people that, that that's not right, they tend to get super defensive. People with problems or in general, like if you're jealous or envious of somebody, the moment that you feel like someone makes a comment and it offends you or like you're offended by it, you should probably explore it because it's saying something about you to give you that reaction, right? And so right. it's like, did you ever have someone that was like, Hunter, like you have a problem, bro. And you were like, no, I don't, no, I don't, I'm good. Yeah, so I think like my mom like tried like telling me like, dude, you have a problem, like, but, you know, obviously, like, I was in denial for, like, the longest time, and when I came back, you know, I continued to do the same shit, and, like, you know, my real friends, like, or, like, people that I thought were my friends, like, the ones that didn't, like, weren't drinking, and, like, you know, when you, like, messaged me today, and we're, like, think about it, like, from their perspective, like, build that connection, you know, I was, like, it made me reflect back on, like, my own personal experience, and like my real friends, like none of them like actually reached out to me and were like, hey, like we noticed you have a problem. They were more so like, yeah, we don't associate with her anymore. She has a serious drinking problem. Like mm -hmm. I remember specifically one girl that like, she worked at the bar. She just like brushed me off and like, she apologized like later, like after I stopped drinking and like cleaned up my shit. But I was just like, when you asked me that, I was like, dude, no one was even there for me really. Like the only one that was there for me was like my mom. And that's hard. I have even clients that are especially younger, whatever, like you notice in life that people want to leverage you most of the time. It's like people that start their fitness journeys, right? And maybe they're the life of the party. And all of a sudden they're like, no, it's a really big priority for me to like clean my act up. And this is important to me. 
And then you have people that are like, but come on, we're going out. And outside of going out or being the fun, the fun girl, like their friends don't actually care about them. And that's hard for a lot of people to realize, like, it's not actually you that they care about. It's what you provide for them. Right. And when you get to a point like you've been through and you're like, damn, I thought they were my friends, but really like no one cared enough about me to pull me aside and say, Hey dude, this isn't right. What's going on. Mm -hmm. Talk to me. I want to help you. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent right. And like, I mean, maybe I like knew that, but like when we were talking today, it really made me like reflect back and I was like oh, shit. so for those of you that don't know because we're, we're talking about a, a conversation today so I do I do want to fill people in on like what the conversation was and if you don't know um I am Kate the owner and CEO of Level Up and Hunter is my first assistant coach who is incredible um and she's absolutely crushing it with her clients and today she had a hiccup with the client who kind of had a poor experience uh with her Memorial Day festivities. And she did a little bit of self-sabotaging behaviors around specific people um, and didn't feel great about it in hindsight. And so Hunter had reached out to me as we do kind of co-coach. And if she has an issue, she always asks me what I would do or what I think. And I always challenge her with, well, first tell me what you would want to do. Um, and she said, you know, my first thought would bring calories up and, you know, give her another chance to adhere to those things. And I, my first response immediately was get on the phone. And I was like, if you were in her shoes, what would you want? Connection is one of our coaching core values. And I was like, so when you were struggling, like, wouldn't it have meant a lot to you if someone reached out and gave you support? And so it's really important, just as a side note, whether you're a coach or trying to be a good friend or maybe improve your relationships, it's like, pay attention to their perspective because the way that you see it and the way that they see it is likely not the same. And if someone is struggling with something, you have no idea the gravity of the emotions that they're struggling with or battling through or with the conversations and dialogue that's going on in their head because they don't know how to say it out loud or they're afraid of what they might say or how somebody might respond to what they have to say. And so I think it's important to just create space for people like I'm trying to do on this conversation is like, I just want you to tell your story and share it the way that is most authentic and true to you. Right. And there's no judgment here. I hope nobody on the other side of this podcast is judging because on the other side of the coin, we all like to sit here and point fingers and judge other people. And we have our own shadows that we need to fucking work through. Um, and everybody has some type of trauma and the gravity of that and how big or massive it might've been in your life is always going to be context to you. Um, but I'm glad that nonetheless, I'll stop, I'll stop talking here shortly, but, um, I'm glad that that was helpful to you and it provided perspective because, most people lose sight of that, especially when it's your job. And it's like, well, this is my job and that's it. And I'm like, people are missing empathy. People are missing support. It's like, it's not about the job. It's not about the sale. It's about helping somebody change their fucking life. Or if they're like trying to do something, right? Instead of pressuring them to making it, making the choice you want them to make, remove yourself and help them make a decision that is best for them. Right. That's a hard part about sales calls for me is like, if it's a client, I know I can't help or one that I think is actually in a better situation I'll tell them I don't take them. Or if they want to do something ethically that we couldn't do, I'll just say with integrity, I can't do that for you. I'm sorry. And those are hard conversations. Um, but if nothing else, it helps to, to ground them and give them perspective and support or just a different way to look at things, um, which is always the goal. So anyways, now that we've provided context to that comment, continue. <laughs> no, and I definitely like agree, like kind of piggyback off that is like, yeah, like some of those conversations are like hard to have but you, you know, it's best to just have it, you know, and really tap into that. Um, cause I mean, what if somebody did that to me? Like, I don't know. Okay. So like, I'll also like say like, so my dad for experience or for, you know, to kind of just get insight on that. Um, you know, he's headed down a dark path and my, so my grandfather died from alcohol poisoning. His liver burst in the middle his liver burst in the middle of the night. So my granddad, he, so my dad's dad, he died from alcohol poisoning, liver burst in the middle of the night. My dad is like, kind of like, he's basically headed down that, headed right down that path. Um, and you know, and I have these conversations with my dad and I'm like, look, like put yourself in my shoes and think back to like, when that happened to you, like when you lost your dad, like, remember how angry you are? Like, remember how mad you were? Um, you know, what it did to you, um, you know, the kind of emotions that you had. 
and then put yourself in my shoes like now and like look at what you're doing you're doing the same thing and like I, I tried to like get him to see that light and like be super like open with him and just be like look this is how I feel like this is what I see and like at least I know that like I tried if anything ever did happen to him you know and knowing that I tried to like help him through it or like tap into his emotions and let him know like the more at peace I am so I mean I, I kind of wish your dad was here because it's like it's so hard to like for me to help and provide perspective but like I think maybe if I had to try to see it through his lens right maybe he feels like a failure maybe he feels unlovable maybe he feels unimportant and people that typically feel that way and trust me I've been there that's why I tolerated the abusive relationship I was in for so long they feel like if something were to happen to them nobody would care and so maybe I would challenge you in your relationship with your dad to just tell him that you love him and that he is super important to you and that he does matter and like obviously you can't make choices for him but he doesn't have to choose to continue to do what he's doing. Yeah. You know? And, and again, like, it's not about trying to change somebody because you can't change people until they want to change. I'm sure you know that, right. You couldn't actually come out of your situation with alcohol until you were like, bro, I don't want to live my life like this. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely had an aha moment. And then, um, where was I at in my story? I don't remember. So you were saying your mom, your mom came and she was like, I'm coming to get you. This is not right. And so your mom came to get you. Oh yeah. So she came to get me and we drove our asses back to Alaska. She made me drive the whole way. Wait, did we? No, we drove to Seattle and I put my car on a barge. Um, and then, you know, we flew home. I was going to say, can you drive to Alaska? Yeah, you can. You drive the Alcan through Canada. You didn't know? I had no idea. No. Well, I guess I was thinking like from California to Alaska, like while staying in the United States, like how does that happen? But now it makes sense. Geography was not my strength. <laughs> no, mine either. It's totally fine. Um, so we drove back and I actually went back to, I went and played hockey at UAF. Um, it was just like a division three school. Um, and I played there for a little while and you know, back to the drinking thing, you know, I was getting, it was actually the day that I was supposed to drive to Fairbanks. So I had been back for a little while and I think it was like summer. I can't remember, but I was waiting for the next semester to start because I was going to go back to school. And I think I was 19 maybe at this time. And, you know, I was still doing the same shit. So we drove back. Okay. Wait, no, no, no. Sorry. I'm like getting way off track here. Um, the day before I was leaving for college, I had my car all packed up and shit. I was at, I was dating this kid and I was at a house party and we were drinking, but like, I wasn't drinking like that much. Like I wasn't getting like super shit face blocked out or anything. Like I remember like going to sleep and all of that, but somebody fucking stole my car, dude. And like went in like hot dog, whatever you want to call it, rallied it. And it was wrecked dude like I walked out the next morning and my car was almost totaled yeah uh-huh Kate's face right now <laughs> I'm like okay so so in hindsight of that like was that when you were like this is not it no so you kept going okay yeah, dude, I kept going. I was like, I'm, you know, whatever. My parents were super fucking pissed. Like, obviously, like, they were very, very upset. So I flew to Fairbanks. And this is like, I think this is probably like the lowest point in my life. Yeah, I would probably say this is the lowest. Well, I don't know. It's hard to say. But anyways, one of the lowest points in your one life. One of the lowest, for sure. Um, I went there and I had to like walk to school. I was like renting a room from like, I don't even know this random lady off, random lady off Craigslist. I think, is it a house? It was a house. Um, so I would have to walk to school. I'd have to like hitch rides from friends. And this was something that I never had had to do before. So it was like, just kind of depressing. Like I just got into this super weird slump after all that shit happened. I was super depressed. Like I remember like skipping class for like days on end and just like laying in bed and watching Netflix. 
and like I'd skip practice I wouldn't go to practice and like I felt pretty good like when I was skating and stuff like I was trying to go to the gym trying to work out but it wasn't working so then after that so after Fairbanks I dropped out of all my classes and I went back home and I started dating this kid and then same shit we're still drinking still partying doing all stupid shit um and then <laughs> i me and my friend we got super fucked up one night and we decided to steal some traffic cones mm. like when i say steal traffic cones like we stole like excess traffic cones like 22 23 i can't remember yeah i know i know <laughs> and we got in trouble dude and we actually like got arrested for it what's going on guys so i interrupted this incredible episode to remind you of the seminar that is coming october 1st to downtown dallas texas open to the public i'm about to drop some incredible information on some added speakers uh dropping this week and the early word special will be done um at the end of june so i want to give you this heads up here to go ahead and get those tickets to be able to be here be present with us and i promise you you do not want to miss it so bring a friend tell a f- tell your family and i hope to see you guys there okay okay yep yeah, that's that's another low so we got arrested for stealing traffic cones um I was 19. My friend was 18 at that time. And so did you go to jail? Yeah. I was handcuffs and all. It was fucking mortifying. And was that your like, I can't keep doing this moment? Yeah, that was, I think that was like an aha moment for me. Um, but it, it, that wasn't the end, dude. Okay. So what happened after that? Um, and then after that, you know, I, I got out of jail or whatever. It was just like holding the holding cell or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so I got out of there, uh, continued to drink, but not as heavily. And then I actually, me and my mom, I was living with my mom at that time. Um, and I was kind of in and out all the time. And her and I got an altercation, like a physical one. And she called the cops on me and somebody had to go to jail. And I, I fucking volunteered and went because I didn't want my mom to go to jail. So I, jail number two within like six months. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I know. It's crazy. And a lot of people don't know this, you know, and I, I know a lot of people probably listen to this and be like, wow, I had no idea. Um, so what happened after that? So you were in jail. How long were you in jail? Was it just a holding cell again? It was just a holding cell again, and my mom came and bailed me out, and she felt super shitty, because, like, I mean, we, like I said, it was a physical altercation, so we were, like, we were, like, fucking duking it out, but um, after that, I'm trying to remember, I think I, it was, like, broke up with that boyfriend, or he broke up with me, I can't remember, but started, <coughs> started, like, cleaning up my act a little bit, and that's kind of why I started getting into the gym, that's, that's probably when it started. But I was, I was still drinking. I was, I actually smoked cigarettes. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that about you. It's so gross. But smoke cigarettes. So I'd like go to the gym, work out, like go back in my car, smoke my stogies. So gross. Um, and then I started dating someone else again. And you know, I wasn't drinking as much not nearly as much. I was like slowly like starting to like clean my shit up. Um, but what I would find is that like, I would like, I'd get away from it a little bit and then I would like kind of just fall back into it, get away from it a little bit and then fall back into it. And then um, the relationship that I was in at that time, you know, I was given, you know, and this is not an excuse, but, you know, deceitfulness, cheating, stuff like that. You know, I was doing all that kind of shit. Just being, like, fucking ruthless. Yeah. And then on top of that, like, after all of that happened, you know, we were trying to work it out. And, like, you know, he was fully aware of, you know, what happened. Um, but he also liked to drink, like, a lot. And so at one point, we actually started getting, like, physical altercations, like him and I. You know, like, 
you know, I'm not going to get into details, but fist flying, that kind of shit, physical. Um, and then there was another point, like, throughout a relationship where um, I think we were, like, at a family event. And somebody actually asked, you know, on that Q&A, like, how did it affect, like, your relationships? And, like, did you lose a lot of friends? Like, your family? And, you know, it, it doesn't, I don't know nothing good ever comes from drinking. Nothing good has ever came from drinking, at least for me and from my point of view. But I know a lot of people, like if they ask themselves that, they'd probably say nothing good has ever came from it, right? I think I, well, (laughs) I don't think it would be from drinking, but I do think that it's for some people, and this is me just playing devil's advocate because I am not an alcohol. I don't really drink often, right? But sometimes it's a social thing. And sometimes it can actually like be a part of a very fun and and great memory. And so I don't want people to be like, oh, if you drink, you're a fucking alcoholic and you're an asshole, right? That's not true. Um, But at the same time, being able to be responsible if you drink at all, right? Because I can go to a party and not drink at all. Like, I don't need to do that shit to have a great time. But I'm also someone who's like, I don't care anymore what people think of me. And so I'll dance my ass off on a table if I want to. Like, (laughs) I don't need a drink for that. I promise. but drinking too much, I will say nothing ever good comes yeah. from being fucking drunk. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should rephrase that. Because, yeah, like I said, like, I'm not saying, like, you, fuck, you shouldn't drink, but there's just people that can't handle their liquor or they just, they shouldn't drink because... Or it's triggering. It's like some people yeah. with certain things, right, with food, for example. I mean, it could be anything or a drug. Right. Drug addicts don't go, oh, I'm only going to do this one drug. No, they have to cut it clean because they cannot stop. And some people is the same for alcohol. Like I said, my dad, my biological father, he can fucking throw that shit back like all day, every day. And I'm like, I could not do that. I couldn't. But if you were to ask him to have just one, not it's not happening. Right. And so it's understanding, like, can I regulate myself? Can I practice discipline here? Am I good with saying, oh, I'm good. I only wanted one. If you can't, then that's likely a sign that you need to really investigate your relationship with that thing, whatever that thing might be. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, And then, so like throughout a relationship, we went to like this family party. And I think this was like the aha, like, holy shit, you need to get your fucking shit together. You need to do something about this. But I got in a fist fight with my aunt and it was a bad one. Like it was bad. Like she had like, it's really sad. Like, thinking back to it like I feel like I felt like the biggest piece of shit and our relationship had never been the same will it ever be the same probably not and she's not like my blood aunt but by marriage um and yeah we got in this huge fight she fucked like her eye was swollen and shut like that's how bad this fight was and I think at that moment in time I was like all right like you've got to figure this shit out And so, you know, I stopped, I slowly stopped drinking, like, from that moment on, Um, and it wasn't, like, cold turkey. I would still have drinks here and there, but I never got completely smashed after that. Like, I'd have a few too many, yeah, like, buzz, but, and I would pick my settings, too, like, at home whether it was like at home or like if I was going out I'd like just try to like dial it back and not drink as much um but you know what I would find is that like I'm an all or not like I'm all or nothing you know kind of person so I'm like I feel like I have to be like all into drinking or like all out and so I did this for a few years where I would like and I I think after that is when I really started to cut back on like cigarettes and stuff so it's been like at least like seven no like six probably like six years since I like really cleaned my shit up like ever since I met Brandon is when I was like why are you smiling because it's so cute I want to hear this part of the story so I like I love love people don't know but I'm such a sap so like when I you just hearing it gives me hope because like I said earlier like people need hope I need hope in my love life so I'm excited for this part of the story (laughs) yeah no for sure and so I had, you know, came to the realization that, like, my current relationship, you know, I was, it was just not good. It was bad all around. Like, we had trust issues, you know, given what I had done. Um, We both drank way too much. Um, He still drinks, actually, to this day. 
And um, I was still with this guy when I started seeing Brandon at the gym, actually. Um, but I completely, you know, I completely cut it off, you know, with, we were actually engaged, um, me and that old boyfriend. Um, oh. Yeah, we were engaged. I think we were together for what, three years, maybe three years. Um, but I knew, like, when I went into that relationship, like, I wasn't ready. Like, I don't know if I was just, like, fishing for something or it was, like, lust or what do they call it? Like, infatuation. And I just, Distraction. Like, it could yeah. be less intimate, more physical, right? It was, yeah, it was all physical, for sure. And, you know, when I came to that realization, I, you know, and I was trying to, like, clean up my shit and, like, not drink. And not do shit like that but he was still doing it so we were totally going in two different directions like I wanted to like invest like more of my time into the gym and like spend more time there and work on like my overall health um you know my mental health physical emotional whatever it was at that time wanted to work on all of it and he just was like drinking and driving doing all that stupid fucking shit and then one day I was like this is it like I'm done and I just walked away and then you know I had seen Brandon like in the gym, you know, occasionally because we went to the same gym and uh, we, we had started talking on Facebook. Mm. It's weird. (laughs) And I don't even know. We just like hit it off. We had so much in common. Like he wasn't really big into drink. Actually, wait, let me back this up. We actually got introduced at the bar. Okay. But I think I only... And at this point, like, this is where I was, like, made that transition where I was, like, not drinking as much. I think I had, like, maybe one beer. And so we actually had, like, a normal conversation. Um, it wasn't, like, a shit face, like, I'm going to go home with you. It wasn't anything like that, you know. <laughs> I can just picture it in my head. I've been there. I've done all that. Like, it was just, it was different, you know. And um, we just started talking and we talked for a few weeks. Um, and then, you know, we'd, like, I think our first date was like in Anchorage or we'd go to the gym. He'd ask me to like go to the gym and then like go get a post-workout meal. And I was like, yes, yes, this is it. This is it. This is what I want. And so, you know, we, I don't know, from there, we just like hit it off. And, you know, when we met, like I was still like, like I said, like in that transition of like not drinking and we'd have like a few drinks here and there together and we, we, I think when we first met, like, we would have a little alcohol in the house, but we never were, like, going out and getting smashed. Um, There was one time that, like, we went out and, like, got drunk, and I think we got in an argument, and then from there, we were, like, I think we had, like, a conversation, and we're just, like, both of us had had agreed that, like, neither of us wanted that type of relationship, and we, like, moving forward, we were, like, well, maybe we'd either a we just don't drink we don't go to the bar and then we just kind of slowly like started getting away from it and we both really started to get like into bodybuilding lifting you know our health um and then like a couple years like probably two years kind of doing that um I would occasionally have drinks here and there uh yeah here and there I'd have drinks but I would only have like one or I'd have two and I would like know my limit but then like some days I'd like catch myself like having too many and then but never like never like it was back in the day never getting smashed like blacked out wasted it was just like oh maybe I shouldn't have had three white claws maybe I should have just had one you know what I mean yeah um and then I actually before I before now it's almost been it's been over a year and a half since I haven't had a drink, but before that I went 10 months without a drink and then I had a couple of drinks. So I almost made it a full year, but I like just went back into like old ways of giving in. And I think it was like a Thanksgiving dinner or some shit is when it started. Everyone was like having like a glass of wine or like a white claw or whatever it was. I can't remember, honestly. And I had one. And I was like, I don't like the way this makes me feel. Like, I don't like, I don't like this. I didn't like the way it made me feel. I didn't like anything about it. And then from that moment, I was like, all right, like, I'm done. This is it. I'm not drinking alcohol anymore. I don't give a shit what anybody else says. And that's, 
like super fucking powerful. And like I said, people have their own ways of coping with shit. And so maybe for you it was alcohol, but for somebody else, it's something else, right? And I'm sure now, like when you have stressful moments or things, like you cope in a different way, but you still cope, right? And I think it's important to point that out because it's like, as long as the habit in which you have hopefully allows you to digest and reflect on what it is you're actually feeling and dissect the dialogue that's going on in your head, right? You're going to be able to come out on the other side of that growing through it. And I think that that's whatever it is that allows you to do that. Like for me, I journal and I meditate a lot, right? A lot. Um, I like to walk and that helps me process shit or I'll voice memo myself and like just kind of work through shit out loud. Like I'm not afraid to talk to myself. (laughs) Thank God I live alone. (laughs) Uh, But everybody has a vice. And I think it just comes to a point where you realize that something that once served you in your life or you thought served you in your life no longer serves you because you've outgrown it, right? That's hella progress. And I'm super fucking proud of you for that because like a lot of people would just continue again. You probably have clients that are like, I feel so peer pressured around these people and I want to be accepted and liked. And it's like people, your people are going to support you doing what's best for you as long as, as it doesn't harm you or somebody else. Right. And obviously the things that you were doing allowed you to not only harm yourself, but people that you cared about. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, no, for sure. And like, I think that, you know, now like especially environments that like you decide to put yourself in like if those people know like what you're trying to do what you're trying to accomplish what your goals are like especially with alcohol and or whatever it may be right like if they don't respect that like they're probably not your people or you know there's been like there was like situations like when I started to like get away from that you know I remember going to this event with my friends and like I think they had like I wasn't totally sober at this time, but they knew like, Hey, like she's trying to like not drink. She's just trying to be a little more mindful. They'd still ask and I'd give in, but it's like, they know that I'm like trying to get away from it. So it's like, why even ask? And like looking back and reflecting on that, I'm like, fuck those people. They fucking suck. Yeah. Then this is one of my rules for life principles for life. I have a lot of them, but one of them is addition by subtraction, right? Understanding that sometimes you have to cut people or things or anything that does not serve you moving in the direction of who it is that you want to be. Mm -hmm. If they don't support you in doing that, then they probably aren't your people. Right. No, I a hundred percent agree with you for sure. So I'm excited for you and who you are today and who you are continuing to become. Um, And if you could give maybe advice to yourself um, back then when you were struggling at your worst, right? What would you tell yourself then? Oh, I don't know. Um, So I think, I think not being influenced by others or trying to paint a certain picture or make people feel a certain way about you um because I feel like a lot of like how I got involved in that was because I wanted to like fit in I wanted to be cool I wanted I wanted to party and be like you said like the life of the party you know like it doesn't matter like what they think of you like don't be a follower hunter I don't know I just it's weird I don't know. And I don't even, I don't even see myself as a follower now. Like maybe back then, I don't know if I was even one in high school. It's hard to like dissect that. I feel like. So I'll just give you some perspective from the shit that I've been through. Yeah. Um, Cause there's so many things, even in that arena of like trying to fit in, I spent a long time hiding parts of myself. Like most people don't know how fucking emotional and sensitive I am because I'm so good at putting out my, you know, we talk about like masculine and feminine energy and I'm like, not going to get all woo woo there, but like masculine energy essentially means like the bold and aggressive side of you, right? I'm very good at portraying that. I'm so confident in that. And I'm like, I can walk into a room and command respect, right? Because I'm good at doing that. When it comes to letting my walls down and being vulnerable with people, I struggle. I struggle really, really hard. Even though I'm so empathetic. Like if I have one issue about somebody that I care about, it will like, I feel the gravity of things so heavy for people that I care about. And most people have no idea. Cause I don't ever like say, wow, I'm really hurt. I'm just like, 
I'm falling apart, but I can put on a face where it's like, it's totally fine, dude. Um, and I think I spent a lot of time prior to kind of launching level up and doing all that and kind of allowing myself to really continue to investigate in the growth in the direction of which I wanted to grow into, right. Trying to fit into a box and be like, okay, well, if I want to fit in with this group, I have to act this way. And so it, instead of me just using my voice and talking about things that I find important, which is mostly like very deep and intellectual conversations about abstract ideas, right. That's not cool. That's not cool at all. Nobody wants to fucking talk to, nobody in those situations wants to talk about it like I did. And so I was just like quite standoffish and abrasive because I was like, well, talking about surface level things just doesn't excite me. And so it was removing myself, trying to fit in to just being who I am and finding where I belonged. And it's like, once you allow yourself to just be transparently, authentically and fully yourself, the right people will come. Energy is a real thing. Like the law of attraction is like a real fucking thing. And so it's like, when you just give yourself permission to be as fucked up or whatever it is that people might judge you for being because they want to perceive you a certain way, whatever that might be, right? That's not on you. And trying to fit in what you're really doing is taking taking your gifts away from the world. Like I told you this before, when we talked about, well, I don't really do that. And I don't really do that. And I'm like, my job is not to put in you what God left out. My job is to pull out of you what God left in because you have a gift that I don't, right? And other people do. And it's like, instead of comparing yourself to somebody else, thinking that you have to be what they are, it's like, wow, they are beautiful in their element. That is their gift, right? Somebody else's light does not diminish your own. And so when I think about the things that I've gone through, it's like, I was so aggressive with just like trying to become the shell of Kate. That's like, I want to fit in with these people because I just want them to like me. Right? I just want to be liked. And most people just want to be liked, yeah. but they lose themselves in the process of just wanting to be accepted. Where if you just allow yourself to make decisions that are for you and advocate for yourself and say the things that are on your heart and act in ways that make you happy, Right? You're going to find people that support that vision of you and that version of you. And it's going to be so much more fulfilling than trying to fit into a box and be liked by people who want to leverage you for things that make them feel valued, validated or whatever it is in their life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that, you know, a lot of it was influential and in just trying to fit in. Like, I just wanted to fit in, be liked, like you just said, um, you know, and once I, and maybe alcohol was like masking like a lot of those feelings. And, you know, once I pulled away from that, I, I did lose a lot of friends that not, they're not really my friends, honestly, in hindsight, right? Friends. Um, and I'm much better off with them. I don't talk to any of them. And they're still all doing the same shit. At least most of them are. And I look back on that or like, I unfollow like a lot of that shit because I don't want to see it. It's not how I want to like start my day or end my day I just I just don't want to associate with it and I'm not saying that you know you can't drink you can't have a good time but you know can you sit with your emotions like without alcohol or just like literally anything and I think that a lot of that comes down to you probably didn't really know who you were or no. you were afraid to be that person because you didn't want people to judge you for being that. Like, that's me. I can only speak on myself. Like I was so afraid to like, not be cool that I was like all this nerdy shit that you are, Kate, we're just going to hide that. Right. Cause I was an athlete. I was like super not cool to be an athlete and be a nerd, like, you know, but it's like, I, I am. And I like that. Now I'm just like, my goal in life is to figure out how much knowledge that I can acquire to leave an impact on people where it's applicable to them too. Cause it's like, I love learning. I just do. I don't know why. Like, I can't tell you why I just do. So that's yeah. what I do. I read a lot and I study a lot and then I talk to people and I just do the fucking thing. But people would think that's not cool because they don't like doing the same thing. And that's cool. Like you don't have to like learning. You don't have to like reading books. You can fucking like going and partying your ass off. If that makes you happy and you're not harming yourself or other people, like, and you can do it responsibly. Like, I'm not here to judge anybody. We all have our shit. Everybody has shit. Lots yeah. of shit. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, like you said, telling my old self just not to, you know, be influenced by other people and just, you know, standing your ground and really finding, trying to find out like who you really are. You know? What's and crazy not, is most people don't know. No, I mean, I I'm still like on a path of figuring it like really out, right? Like I'm still working on it, but I definitely feel like every day, like I step into it more. And I think a lot of it too, is like understanding that 
you can grow as much as you want to in your fucking life. Nobody's, nobody can set a limit on you outside of yourself. And so it's like, for me, when I think about like growth, I have core values that I live by, right? That is, those are the things that on a character level make me Kate, right? Those are things that I'm like, no matter what happens today, I will live by these things, right? I will do this. And at the end of the day, I can lay my head down and go to sleep knowing I lived with those values in mind. But it's also like, I will never settle for being what I am today because five years from now, I want to be 10 times the person that I am. So it's like accepting that, like, that thing. And it it leaves me on this last point before I have to jump on a call. But I think one of the hardest things for people who struggle with past trauma is giving themselves permission to, to exist on this continuum that is the human experience. Mm -hmm. And it's like you, what you know today, you didn't know then. And so it's like, you can't beat yourself up for doing the best that you could in a situation that you had no idea how to navigate at a young age. Mm -hmm. And so you coped with it the way that you saw as an example, this is how they're coping with it. This is how I'm going to cope with it too, likely, right? Maybe you weren't cognitively aware of that, but that could be, you're like, well, that's what they're doing in this really shitty time. So maybe that's what I need to do too, right? And so you don't know what you don't know. And so most people, like for me, I struggled so hard for giving myself for a very long time for the shit that I went through. Very, and I, I have my moments. But it's also like, I have to remember, like, you didn't know then what you know now. You didn't have the perspective or the knowledge that you do now then. So it's like, how can I continue to beat myself up when I'm a completely different person than I was then? I didn't know anything. No shit. Right. And so it's like, you can't beat yourself up or hold it against you or whatever. Think it defines you today when you're so far removed from somebody that once was just trying to get by doing the best that they could in the situation that where they were in on that side of the human experience. So if anybody is struggling with things in their past that they think are demons or negative or whatever, it's like, if you continue to carry the weight of that, that's by choice because you don't have to, and you didn't know what you know now then. So you can't expect to be able to change that, nor will wishing that you could change it, do anything about it because you can't, but you can make yourself better today, right now, like with the next decision that you make. For sure. There's just one choice, you know, one choice away, you know, and it's never too late to start or, you know, to try or to change, right? People that are stuck in, you know, certain mindsets of, of limitations. It's like, I'm just this way. This is how I am. So I'll always be. And you have a choice to change that, but you, that's a limiting belief. It's like, you can't change. I don't believe in that at all. I'm like, I can become whatever the fuck I want to. And if I can't, I'm going to die trying because that's, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to do my best to find out everything it is that I can be. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to sound crazy saying that out loud. So no, that makes sense. (laughs) You don't sound fucking crazy. You just sound very empowering and, you know, very empowering and very confident. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're Kate. There you said, oh, this is funny. I'll leave this last one. Have you seen the aristocrats? I don't think so. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, your, your homework is to watch the aristocrats. Okay. But they talk about O'Malley cat and he's like a cat's the only cat who knows where it's at guys. I can't sing, but like, I don't know why, but, (laughs) and so I use that coin, especially if you get caught up in the comparison game, because when I think about, you know, there's so many coaches in the space and everyone talks about saturation and all this fucking shit, right? A Kate is a Kate. And I am the only Kate that can be myself fully and authentically. Nobody else will ever be Kate. And so it's like a Kate is a Kate. Like I have my strengths and my weaknesses, right? Just like you saying, well, I don't really love speaking. You'll never have to speak if you don't want, ever want to, right? You are coach. And all I want you to do is just fucking coach the way that Hunter wants to coach. Right? As long as you follow within the fucking core values of the company, like you can coach as authentically as Hunter wants to fucking coach, right? Because a Hunter is a Hunter and a Kate is a Kate. And we will never be the same fucking human, no matter if how much envy one might carry, right? For your favorite Instagrammer or YouTuber or whoever the fuck, right? As much as you want to sit there and go, I wish I was her. Guess what? You're not. (laughs) So like just wasting your time in that envy instead of going, wow, she's doing a lot of cool shit. I want to be like that. What about her character traits? Could I start working on to improve myself, to move myself in that direction of being a little bit more like that? But also what are my strengths? Like a lot of people try to fit into some box and be like, oh, I have to be this because this is what's adequate. So I'm going to dwindle my strengths and focus on trying to build my weaknesses when I fucking hate these things, but I'm supposed to do them. 
again, like these are fucking things that are in my heart, my fucking brain, like all day long. I'm like, I have all these deep fucking thoughts about just like principles of life and shit. And I'm like, okay, breathe. But like, that's where, that's why I love Twitter. So if you guys don't follow me on Twitter and you want to know more of my thoughts and the way that my brain works, you can follow me on there. (laughs) She puts all her thoughts on Twitter. It's like six notifications, maybe even more a day. Oh, it must be thinking. Oh yeah. No, I'm like, when I go on, I just go, I just like, let no, it. I love that shit though. I mean, it's it's very helpful and it's very real. Well, it's almost like a journal for me because if I have a thought and I won't be able to like elaborate on it, I'll just tweet it because it's short. I can come back and like expand on it later if I want to. But it's like a little like going journal if I have a thought that's not super personal, like work wise, but like I just have a thought in my brain that I want to reflect on later. I'll usually throw it at Twitter. No, for sure. No, that makes sense. All right. All right I know you got to get out of here. So thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, I know that it will help a lot of people and I'm super fucking proud of you for how far you've come and who you're becoming. I'm proud of me too. All right, girl. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Kate. Bye.